Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode. Happy New Year and welcome to 2024. We are excited about the episodes that we're going to be bringing you this year on the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. Today, we're starting with a great testimony that I know you're going to enjoy. I sat down with Josh and Katie Walters, the authors of the book, New Marriage, Same Couple, Don't Let Your Worst Days Be Your Last Days. I got to hear the story of what God did in their marriage after there was some unfaithfulness. You're going to love this story, and you're going to love to hear the redemption that God has done. And if you are fighting for your marriage right now, this story is going to impact you. If you are in a marriage and you're struggling, this story is going to impact you. And if you're in a happy marriage and you have not had a struggle, this story is going to impact you also because it's going to encourage you to continue to work in your marriage and to continue to pray for your spouse and pray for your marriage. And so I know that their story is going to really resonate with a lot of people. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Josh and Katie Walters. Josh and Katie, thank you for for joining us today and for being here to share your story. I know we were talking a little bit before we started about um, your story and our story and how they align so much. But I think um, our listeners are going to be excited to hear from you guys today because your um, mission like ours is a passion for people to see that there is hope for any marriage that that God can restore and redeem mm-hmm what the enemies tried to heal. So thank you for being with us today. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited thank you about for it. having us. So, okay, we're here to talk first about the exciting thing that's happening in January. Your new book is coming out um, called New Marriage, Same Couple. Don't let your worst days be your last days. And is that the first book that you two have written? It is. Yep, our very first one. <laughs> well, congratulations. <And> <laughs> Thank you. One that in the darkest days of our story, I would have hoped was never published into a book. I bet. I bet. (laughs) And um, and now we're so grateful that God could use it. Well, that's amazing. Well, tell us a little bit about your story. What happened in your life that brought on the the story that um, God has used to bring healing and hope in your family? Yeah. So Katie and I, um, just to give you a little backstory, met in college and, um, I was not like looking for a girlfriend, enjoying college life, met her and went home and told my roommate, I'm going to marry that girl. (laughs) And uh, we we were like, from that point on, she was just sold out for God. And we were both young life leaders serving in ministry. So when we got married, we were very, we were the first among our friends and we were the like lovey dovey, Mm -hmm. passionate, going to change the world. A story like ours would never happen to us kind Mm -hmm. of couple. And so we, we get married our senior year of college, um, graduate, both pursue our master's degrees. Uh, we both always wanted seven kids. So we started out the gate, you know, on, on, uh, having children found mm-hmm. out a few months after we were married that we were pregnant and, wow. and that hasn't really stopped. And so, uh, <laughs> well, it's stopped now, but <laughs> so seven kids you have now. Yeah. Did you make it to seven? Yeah, seven oh, that's exciting. We yeah. made it to seven. <laughs> yeah. Miracle. 
Yeah. And so in those early years of marriage, um, essentially, we were just taking on a lot in terms mm -hmm. of pursuing degrees and we would buy a house, fix it up and then rent it out and move on to the next house. So we were in school playing landlord, had full time jobs, starting our family and had a lot of energy and passion for all the things. But we were just running at a pace that even my my mentors would tell me like you want to get rid of those rental properties and maybe look at that later in life mm -hmm. and i just i remember shaking my head yeah but thinking like not a chance mm -hmm. you know we're not losing out on that and so we just kind of found ourselves at a place in marriage 6 7 years in where what i thought was the normal struggle of marriage mm -hmm. of of balancing all of that of really feeling responsibility for the first time uh and all of the hustle i just hadn't tended to Katie's heart in a way that I should. And we were physically together doing the things, mm -hmm. date night, sex, but arguing and some tension that, uh, that I thought was normal, but had actually just caused us to drift apart and led us mm -hmm. to a, to a dark place. Yeah. We, we tell a lot of couples that our life first was John 10, 10. Um, it says the enemy comes to still mm -hmm. kill and destroy, but I've come, they might have life and have it abundantly. And we focus so much on the second part of that verse, like abundant life. Yeah. And the truth is, you know, we do have an enemy and that enemy was just waiting, mm -hmm. prowling like a lion, um, in our story and many couple stories. And so I, it, I started to begin having a, what was an emotional affair. I wouldn't have called it that. I just started thinking on another man, dreaming mm -hmm. about another relationship, coveting their life. And, you know, we were reading the other day in Matthew, how at the end of times, like people's love will grow cold. Mm -hmm. And thinking back to our story, I really think that started to happen. That Eros love, you know, started to grow cold mm -hmm. for me because I started putting my heart, emotions, energy into this other place, this other man. And, it doesn't take long before the enemy sees that is happening. You know, all the while Josh is working, adulting, thinking we're just going to have faithfulness mm -hmm. and you know, it that never faithfulness happen to endurance us. is going to produce, it'll never yeah, happen to us. It'll, right. you know, produce a new kind of love. And we tell couples now too. I mean, really when you don't prioritize that marriage, you just think, well, we'll get through it. It's a rough season. Mm -hmm. It'll be there at the end you know, we'll catch each other right. at the end of this long stretch. Right. And really when that love grows cold and the enemy's there, when I started really engaging in this sin, you know, with this other man, um, it wasn't long before it was a full on affair. I confessed to Josh mm -hmm. on August the 8th um, that I was having, well, I didn't say I was having an affair. I said to him, what if it's me? What if I'm the problem? Because the other couple was close to us and the wife was starting to realize like something's not right in my marriage. Mm -hmm. And so she had come over and was telling us like something's wrong with my marriage. I don't think my husband loves me anymore. And Josh, she said, the wife even said, I think he might be seeing someone. I think mm -hmm. he might be having an affair. And Josh was like, he would never do that. You know, he was really trying to console her, pastor her. Mm -hmm. And um, when she left, I looked at him and said, what if it's me? Mm -hmm. Like, what if I'm the problem? And it was a big shock to him. He would have never expected that. And I really thought that was going to stay between us mm -hmm. and no one would ever know about that. And instead, it became very public. You know, he was a youth pastor at the time. So when he told the church um, he came in the next Monday to tell the church and they asked him to preach his last message. They asked me to not come back. And we really ended up in a stretch there in Columbia, South Carolina, where we lived of no community, 
really struggling. And that's why this, this book is really to reach couples. We believe the content, the practical principles, um, and the vulnerability of our pain and love story will help any couple go to a new place. Mm -hmm. But it's especially for those couples that are really trying to decide, like, can we make it? Mm -hmm. Do we stay together? Because Josh had no question about that. He was like, I'm asking you to go to a new place. But for me, I really struggled to answer that question. Can we make it? it? You know, have I ruined our marriage for good? Did it feel like you had just stepped out emotionally so much that you didn't desire to go back and try to do the hard work to fix it? Yeah, that was mm-hmm. exactly it. I I didn't want to do the hard work of facing myself, mm-hmm. my own pain, my own, you know, sin. Um, and I didn't, I didn't think it was possible for us to rebuild a, a love that we dreamt of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reality of it is that it, it, because it had been done in, in secret in the dark, if you will, like, there was a lot happening like in terms of stuff in her body endorphins being released. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was almost like a drug to right. where mm-hmm. even when she had decided I don't want to go anywhere, a secret text come through or this pursuit that would bring about these feelings within her. Whereas we had been together long enough for a lot of that stuff to, as she mm-hmm. said, kind of grow cold and, and fade a little bit, even though we were having a lot of the, behaviors that look the same, the emotions weren't happening the same inside of her. And so once it came to light, yeah, it was, it was a, a tough road, just battling those emotions and, and really being able to get to a place where we could build again. Mm-hmm. What you said is so true because the endorphins and the excitement that comes with like something illicit like that can fe- can be what a person chases and that's not the reality you know that excitement you we all had it when we were first dating when we were first married and and unless you're cultivating that you know where you're putting your focus that's what's going to grow and where you're going to have that and Katie yours was shifted you know you'd shifted your focus for that season um so Josh wasn't going to be right. able to come in and and give anything that could compete with that you know, what you were going through in that time. Yeah. There was a part of it too, beyond me being committed to staying, working, serving, Mm -hmm. loving, forgiving, like going through it. Like, and I look back and don't know where that came from Mm -hmm. in me other than the kindness of God and the power of the Holy spirit, believing that our best was going to be together, whatever that meant. But there was, there was a, a long run in that where, Katie just didn't trust my intentions, even mm-hmm. though I was saying all that. She thought I just wanted to win, that th- this was about me getting the girl mm-hmm. and not losing what was mine, if you will. So it, there was a lot of, mm-hmm. it was just messy to, yes. to get to a place where we could rebuild. That's right. And one of the first things I had to recognize was that this path was about self-love mm-hmm. for me, because it's different than you know, an alcohol addiction and affair betrayal is or gambling addiction, or you, you have convinced yourself that you have real feelings of love, admiration, whatever for this other person. Mm -hmm. And you've also convinced yourself they're not a monster, right? Maybe this is, maybe we just start again, Mm -hmm. you know, and when there's no version of endurance or faithfulness that had been built in me, I mean, Josh, I always say like he, he is loyal and he's faithful and he's strengthened those muscles 
for me, my parents were divorced. Culture mm -hmm. was telling me, you just start again. If you want this kind of marriage or fulfillment or happiness, um, then, then you should start over. And so I had to recognize that that was self-love. And if I couldn't have started there with recognizing that, which I think the Lord helped me to, it would have been really easy, you know, hard to believe that I would have just taken that self-love and moved it to another relationship. And that's mm -hmm. what we see happening with people that have a new marriage with a new person is that if you haven't done that work, that internal work, you're basically just taking you and putting it in a whole nother relationship exactly. that's still not built for love. You know, God wants to build mm. us for, for true love, for the agape love that he talks about, which can only come through faithfulness, through endurance, through enduring hard times. That's exactly and right. That's why so the remarriage really rates are so high. People go three, four, five marriages looking for what mm. they, they didn't find that's in marriage right. one, and they didn't do the work to solve the problem. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And the principles around this book are formatted in this word stay, which Josh says is like the least sexy word I love it, um, to stay. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's trying to help couples to know that a lot of this rebuilding work does mm. not happen overnight. Right. It can't happen overnight. You know, um, what God's done in our marriage has been nothing short of miracles, mm -hmm. but also it's been time. It's been work. It's been cultivating new paths of honesty, confession, healing, trauma counseling to figuring out where wounds are. All of those things have mm -hmm. to happen over time. But if you haven't committed to staying, enduring and believing that God can bring about a yeah. new marriage right there with mm -hmm. your same couple, if you're not committed to fighting for your vows, you know, as you guys so minister so powerfully, you really can't see any of that work come right. to fruition. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about it takes two people to work on a marriage and get to restoration, but it takes one person to start, to just draw the line in the sand and to say, I'm willing to stay. I want to fight for this. And Josh, it sounds like that was you from the beginning. Did you have people around you encouraging you as you were trying to fight for your marriage? Or were people sympathetic and saying, you know, you can you can do better, you can move on, the kids will heal? What was your your crowd talking about at that time? I would say my my world got really small mm. really quick, and part of that was was on me. And that, um, as I said in our story, I had attention being given in a lot of different areas, yeah. and and I think this realization that there was this other relationship, and she didn't know if she loved me anymore. Mm -hmm kind of helped everything else kind of fade away and, mm -hmm. and stuff that I was holding on to suddenly had perspective of if I accomplish any of this stuff without her, it's all been for naught. And right. so uh, I was, I was willing to, you know, trash everything else. I'm going to be focused on this. And so I would say part of it was, was me being locked in on, I, I'm, you know, this was Katie's decision and and her sin, but I had a, a responsibility in the culture of our home I had created and mm -hmm. how well I was caring for and shepherding her heart. And so I, I had a, a responsibility in it as well. And I was just committed to, I will not throw in the towel on us. You know, I can't make her stay. I can't make her love me, but I, I do believe this is what God wants. He hates divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the path for, for me is to lay my life down to love, serve, forgive. And if I can, cling to him and stay and be faithful, 
God can do a, a miracle. So uh, at each step of our journey, God had positioned like one person, um, essentially, but it was really all that I needed in that season. It was actually a pastor of another church I had interviewed at before we went to the the uh, smaller church in Irmo where we were. Mm-hmm. And man, he was just a spiritual father. Every couple months he would mm-hmm. call and check in, take me out to lunch, speak truth to me. And, and when that all surfaced, man, he, uh, he was just in my pocket. It was almost like God was telling him when I needed an encouraging call or text or it's amazing. if it was a sticky situation and I was trying to figure out what to do. I could always call him anytime for counsel and, and the same was true once we moved to Charleston. God positioned this one guy um, that uh, ended up, his wife was kind of a, a strong person for Katie. But yeah, I'd say throughout the journey, I was never alone, but there was never a crowd. It was always, I, I would say our, our families were being encouraging. There mm-hmm. were people, nobody was saying, you get out of there, go be happy. But okay. in terms of people that I had really walking with me, there was one one person in each each season. That's amazing. You know, some of our listeners find that they have friends and family and well-meaning people that just don't want them to hurt. And so they say, you know, you can move on. You mm-hmm. you can, instead of coming mm-hmm. alongside and helping them fight. So I think that's amazing you had that. Um, it saddens me to hear what happened with the church letting you go. And obviously, we don't have time for all the details of that. But what can the church do better, and even us as lay people in the church, to help a couple that's raising their hand and saying, you know, we're struggling in our marriage, or we're we're having um, unfaithfulness in our marriage, there's addictions, you know, there's such a variety of things that couples are sitting in our, our the pews every Sunday around us that are struggling in their marriage. So what, what do you think the church can do better to come alongside couples? I would say in our story, it was the grace of God mm-hmm. and that I can tend to be loyal to a fault. And I, you, you see people go through something awful that talk about it, looking back and say, I wouldn't change it if I could. Mm-hmm. And I've always heard that and thought, well, something's wrong with you because that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But, but looking back at our story, mm-hmm. I see now, like we would never have the marriage we have, the family we have. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be the person I am. Uh, like, man, God used the lowest, darkest season mm-hmm. to, to bring about the best in every facet of our marriage life and, and family. And so ultimately I would just say, regardless of what the church is doing, God's always going to be good. Mm-hmm. And if, if we will lock in on him, we'll get through it. I think for us in that season, um, we were, we were pushed out. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there's consequences for sin. And when you're the pastor or, family and ministry, you're not exempt from the consequences of sin, right. but you can, you can love and care for the people and model, mm-hmm. uh, grace and compassion and empathy and still be the hands and feet of Jesus to help heal and save and restore, even that's, if that's not back to a place of employment. And so I, right. mm-hmm. I think there, it appears as if there tends to be some quick lines drawn mm-hmm. so that it doesn't bring about a stigma on the church or look bad on mm-hmm. the organization. And that can be at the expense of, of people who are hurting. Do you think that couples um, are willing to be transparent with their problems? Like Katie, were you willing to have transparency when this started coming to light or were you still at a place where it was like, there was a lot of shame behind 
what had happened and you wanted to hide it? There was so much shame. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm grateful that it was kind of forced openness. It was public. It was very public because if it were up to me, I would have hidden, hidden, hidden. You know, I had really learned to blame shift for Mm -hmm. any area that I had caused struggling. And, and I really wanted to be known as a good girl, as a kind girl, Mm -hmm. as somebody who is sweet, innocent. So to all of a sudden felt like Mm -hmm. I was the opposite of that. You know, I had hurt some, our family, someone else's family. And, um, I I was devastated by the thought of wearing like a scarlet letter, Mm -hmm. you know, forever. I mean, I even, I think I said at one point, like, I'm, I think you're going to write a book about this one day and terrified, you know, thinking that he would like, force that out of me when instead he so protected, you know, even this book came about because I'm like, we've got to get this story out, (laughs) you know, after 16 years later of ministering to people and God just letting that shame fall off. And, but I would have, I really would have struggled with that. We try to help couples see that there are moments in your life that are meant to break you down Mm -hmm. to the rubble of your life that are meant to shatter what you think is important. That's not important. And one thing that you think is important is reputation is others opinions of you, because the truth is God sees us. He sees everything about Mm -hmm. us. And once I came to that understanding that there is one person to ultimately fear, and that is God who knows every part of my heart it really changed that it shattered and it has never come back for me. We have this principle we call confession therapy where, you know, I'll tell Josh, can you handle me? I want to give you my 10. Mm -hmm. And I try to have a filter and not give everybody my 10, but I am really vulnerable Mm -hmm. and open with people, especially Mm -hmm. in our church, because that, that idea that other people's opinions or considerations were are important was shattered for me. So for couples, we try to help them to be as open as possible Mm -hmm. when they are in this point of pain. Again, not like they need to be broadcasting all over social media, but for us, our parents needed to know, Mm. you know, our, um, close friends need to know we're counseling a couple right now that are away on a marriage retreat, trying to rehabilitate their marriage. And I'm on a text thread with seven girls Mm -hmm. that are praying for them every Mm -hmm. single day, seven people that know in a church of hundreds, they've chosen, you know, a few Mm -hmm. people to fight Mm -hmm. with them and to fight for them. And so I do think it's really important once you can start to recognize that the very bad thing, like your shame, your reputation can Mm -hmm. be the very thing you can be thankful for. Yeah. And I would say for me, even when we moved here, like no one ever told me you need to be the man, have the answers, mm-hmm. have it all together. It, I don't know if it's just a pressure men feel, mm-hmm. but it's something I had really taken on myself. Yeah. And so I would have never brought about or shared insecurities, fears, acknowledged, I don't know what I'm doing or how to do this. Or, And so when we moved here and it was ground zero of coming to the church because we needed a church to, mm-hmm. to walk with us and I'm desperate to heal my marriage. There was no posturing or pretense. And so God used that season to bring about so much freedom in me that I still battle that like posturing now, but I've got to remember like, man, I was loved and accepted here yeah. in my, you know, darkest place. And so I don't, I don't have to pretend to be somebody I'm not, but I do think, and to your original question, what can the church do better? I think one, just the embracing and loving of people and their, and their darkest seasons, but two, 
I don't think couples, ourselves included, are naturally authentic with where they're really at. But oftentimes the signs are on the walls. Like yeah, you pick up on stuff in conversation and hear mm-hmm. like, oh, y'all aren't sleeping in the same room or, mm-hmm. oh, it's been a couple of years since you've had sex mm-hmm. or you're fighting. You can start piecing together the storyline. And I feel like this is an area if if we lived in the same neighborhood, Laurie and I sense there was an intruder in your house, like, man, we'd be running over there. to help. And when it comes to marriage, the same realities at play about an enemy who is aiming to steal, kill and destroy. And oftentimes we can, as believers, kind of be casual with, man, I think the the couple up the street is getting ripped apart. I hope they're okay. You know, and I feel like uh, it's okay and easy for a woman to kind of hide or share enough to feel a little seen with a text thread with a woman. But when two people go to step in with a couple, it surfaces truth and pain. And man, it's just so much more powerful than mm-hmm. a guy or a girl, you know, being isolated. And so I feel like if mm-hmm. I could challenge the church as in the children of God with anything, right. it was like, man, take up the mantle of being a people who who fight and encourage and run after man we hear about run couples that are mm-hmm. married 30 years 40 years strong marriages that are now mm-hmm. getting separated or divorced and it's yeah. like i, I want to run in and just say like hey this isn't okay with me right. this is not who you are this is yeah. not god's best for right. you and so just feel feel empowered to be the ones that fight i love that i think that's great how did you guys rebuild the trust you know trust had been broken how did you piece that back together to get to where you are today. So trust is, is earned, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is, was part of the messiness of the journey and that Katie knew she had to earn my trust and, but she also didn't want to feel controlled, but there had been so much deception. I had never previously checked her text messages, checked her email, um, gotten a phone bill to see Mm -hmm. if, text messages that were sent or received are the same as the ones that are visible. You know, Mm. so there was, there was a season where I was, I was connecting a and B like I was, I had passwords to every social account Mm -hmm. um, because we had moved and I was unemployed. I was driving her to work, picking her up, you know, so there was a, there was a long run where um, Katie was being very open-handed with Mm -hmm. the, the unique things that I needed, which I would say that's, that's the key for every couple. There is no formula for rebuilding trust, man. We've met with couples who the the spouse needed very different things than I did Mm -hmm. just to see the spouse say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to rise to your standard. I'm going to meet that need so that you can see, I want to earn this trust again. And so there was, Mm -hmm. there was ups and downs with that. And that's where the endorphins and kind of the drug of the relationship, it wasn't like we started this path of rebuilding trust and 60 days later, we crossed the, you know, it's like, it just kind of happened one day where I realized because of her willingness to Mm -hmm. kind of be an open book with anything I needed and God's presence in healing us. I just realized one day that like, man, I feel like I can trust her. I'm Mm -hmm. not being driven by fear anymore. I'm not suspicious of if something's happening, I'm not aware of, like we've walked this road long enough that, that God did it. Mm -hmm. And Katie was 
was open to it. And and I would say for the couple who has betrayed also, if it's a story of an affair or mm-hmm. again, addiction or anything you've been hiding where you have to rebuild that trust, you know, trust has had also been like, I didn't have full trust in him anymore either. And it wasn't like, I didn't trust that he was going to be faithful, mm-hmm. but I didn't trust when he says, you know, Katie thought that I just wanted to win. I didn't mm-hmm. trust that he really wanted to meet my needs yeah. and, and he wanted to, um, again, I had a lot of desires and needs that I needed to bring to God. Mm-hmm. You know, that whenever you have these desires, you're trying to fill outside of your covenant. It's usually this gap that you need God to meet. But I really didn't trust that he was for me, that he loved me for me, that he, and one of the motivators for me is pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's how I was made. I don't know if anybody's ever done Enneagram stuff or whatever, but yeah. I know I was motivated by fun, by pleasure. So one of the ways that he helped us in this process of rebuilding trust is that he didn't deny me those things. We, we did have arguments. We were in counseling. We were working together. Like he said, I had to have my phone and be an open book, but he would make me cheese and crackers and sometimes a glass of wine when I was getting off work and we would still have a date night and he would still hold me and say, I love you. Even when I was questioning how I felt like Mm -hmm. he still showed up for me and he never took his anger out on me. I mean, he took his anger to God. And that that's really, I can't believe that even looking back. But um, I would just say for couples that are in that mix, while the one couple is earning back their trust, earning back the trust of the person that's been betrayed, if the person who's been betrayed can still show that I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to fight for this marriage. And part of fighting for this marriage is seeking to serve you, to to, to bring pleasure to you. I think about that when I mm. think about couples of old, like your mother that was yeah. talking about, you know, just praying and um, you really do have to lean into God to do yes. this rebuilding work because yes, one person has to figure out how to be open mm-hmm. and bring everything to light. But the other person has to figure out how to still love and serve mm-hmm. in the midst mm-hmm. of that pain. And there's a grieving process. When my parents remarried, you know, there was a a process of him grieving a sinful relationship he was leaving in the past. And I mean, you might have gone through that as well because you're torn. Yes, I do want this marriage to work. I don't know how that's going to work. But also, I did form feelings and emotions with this other person. And now I'm grieving that as well. And so that's all... Um, there's so much to work through. It would be so simple if it happened overnight. Oh my. <laughs> but it doesn't. That's right. And, you know, my mom has said, yeah. once a stander, always a stander. She stood and fought for her marriage for two and a half years. And she said, I'll never stop standing and fighting for my marriage because having a restored marriage doesn't mean the enemy says, okay, I'll move on to the next couple. It's when. You know, as long as we are together in a covenant and and we're trying to strive towards um, a a loving marriage that looks like Christ, the enemy is going to be trying to come in and to cause division. And so it's it's a constant work in progress. That's what we have to remember as married couples. That's right. And I wish looking back on the expectation of that, you know, I try to tell my kids often now, hey, there's going to come a point that you're going to have to fight hard Mm -hmm. for your vows that you're making to God. You're going to have to lean in. You're going to have to fight every day. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a battle, but there will be points where you will have to fight like you never thought you would have to. And I just think I wish 
I don't know if that would have helped. You know, you look mm-hmm. at that, but I just, I did not expect that. I did not expect I was going to have to fight for our love. I yeah. really thought I would tell him often, like, I don't think anyone loves each other. Like mm-hmm. we love each other. You know, I would just, yeah. I had such a like re- glass of roses that yeah. was not ready for this call, which right. is to die, you right. know, is to lay down for each other and to die. So I do think you're so right to hear that language of people saying that mm-hmm. like you're going to have to fight. And just recognizing that the enemy is so subtle, you know, it is in those subtle little tiny cracks when you're least expecting it. And when you're thinking, no, I do love my husband. I do love my wife. That would never happen to us that the enemy just sneaks in because if he came in waving a red flag, we would be <laughs> alerted to <laughs> to the intruder. But he is so subtle. And that's, what, you know, we have to be on the lookout for. And sadly, Josh... We see it often in our ministry, couples that are in ministry, the enemy goes after them and and is trying to destroy yeah. that testimony. And so, um, well, yeah. I cannot wait to get my hands on your book. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to have met new friends that, that like us, are partnering to, to really share with the world that there is hope for their marriage. And I love that that you are the same couple with a new marriage, and I pray that that will continue to be the testimony that you guys have. So I know releasing a book is stressful. I'm sure you guys have been through the ringer trying to get <laughs> this book completed. I, I know what it's like, and the enemy comes at every corner trying to <laughs> cause confusion and problems and, you know, lost manuscripts. I can't imagine what you've been through, but how can we pray for you as you get close to release date for this book? Thank you. That's a great question. So kind. How much time do you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let us name all of our children. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, um, I think because the um, one, this is a act of obedience. Like mm-hmm. it really is something we've felt called to only because we've, we've hit these capacity thresholds of the number of couples that we could sit down with in any given week and the need that we still see. So because it's our story, because we wrote the book, obviously Mm -hmm. God has been with us and he's authored the story. It's his story. Just this like um, tendency and Katie's probably going to say something totally different. (laughs) And me, it's just this tendency to do it all right Right. and to do all Uh, the things mm -hmm. and put this pressure on on us to to work that ultimately it's like yes i want to work hard i want to see this thing reach as many couples as it can because ultimately i believe it's going to bring about good and Mm -hmm. and advance the kingdom within this this lane and so Mm -hmm. just that it could be a season of celebration and Mm -hmm. fun for us Mm -hmm. without us carrying weight that's that's really god's to carry Mm -hmm. that's great yep katie would you have anything different (laughs) I would say that too. I would just say, you know, protection. I mm-hmm. always just ask for God's protection and also to grow us under the pressure, mm-hmm. grow us as men and women, you know, that, that are worthy of the call. Um, that oftentimes the enemy, things can just feel like pressure all around with the kids. And mm-hmm. I know many couples listening might 
feel this way too. And it's, mm. it's hard for us to, the end of the night last night, we were like, we get it. We had had a family meeting. We have our kids who have their own struggles and for us to prioritize each other, to pray together, to listen mm -hmm. to each other's needs. Like it is challenging and there's a lot of pressure that couples face. And so I would just, you know, pray for protection for us um, in that. And then also that we can, we can, ask the Holy Spirit to help rise us mm -hmm. to those pressures so that we can be worthy, you know, of, of what he's asked us to carry. Well, we will definitely be praying for Thank those things. Out. And Josh, would you just close yeah. us in prayer and maybe pray for the um, man or woman who is walking through a struggle in their marriage right now and, and just in that position that you were once in to stand and and fight for their marriage and also for the prodigals that, you know, have emotionally left a marriage or physically yeah. left a marriage that, that God would just draw them back to himself. I will. And yes. I'll tell you before I do that, I'm going to try not to get emotional I'm only sorry. because I felt <laughs> like I was supposed to ask you if I could pray yes. for couples. And then I was in my head thinking like, this ain't your podcast. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> Isn't God <laughs> good. And so for whoever, whoever's listening, I only share that to say like, man, prayer is powerful mm -hmm, and yeah. it changes things. Yes. And so if you're listening, questioning, man, is this prayer for me? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's for you. So mm -hmm. let's pray. God, we thank you so much that, um, you have authored our, our story, that you prepared good works in advance for us to do, that you you saw our beginning and our end, uh, the epic highs and successes and things that we would be proud of and the, the darkest, loneliest moments. And you choose to love us and be with us through each of them. And so I, I pray for the couple right now, whether it's uh, bitter pain from betrayal or just distance in a relationship, I pray that you would restore hope right now god one word from you one encounter from you can can flip the script and so mm -hmm. i just pray that you would do that that you would birth hope and and a sense of expectation of what you want to do not how they're going to fix it not how they're going to make it better uh, that ultimately our our lives are a god work that you could do this work and your plans for them are good you do not want them to settle for a mediocre marriage mm -hmm. but an epic adventure with you and so we believe you can do that we pray for the couple who's been married for years and years and feels like they're at a good place, but want to get to a new place. God, I pray that you would continue to invite them to new levels of intimacy, new levels mm -hmm. of pur purpose and ministry together, that you would position them to mentor and encourage and counsel and care for others mm -hmm. that they might minister out of the, the work that you've done in their hearts. And ultimately, God, we, uh, we rebuke the enemy that he would have no place in our homes, no place in our relationships. And uh, if there's any areas in our hearts where we're kind of throwing in the towel, maybe we're still physically present, but uh, in our hearts, we've kind of quit in some areas. I just pray that you would bring about a sense of disgust because we know people quit long before they leave. So mm -hmm. don't let us quit mm -hmm. in any areas, but, but fight for love, fight for forgiveness, fight for transparency and intimacy and our marriages in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.